North Church. My name is Leslie Lowe. I'm on staff here at Denton North. And if this is your first time to come um, this morning, we're in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit. And as we've talked about the Spirit, um, one of the things that we've talked about and that's been mentioned almost every week is that the role of the Spirit is to draw people to him and to build up the church or the community as a witness. And so one of the ways that the Spirit does this is by building and preserving unity within our church community. And so the title of the sermon this morning is The Spirit's Unity Within Community. And I will not be saying that a whole lot. I'm going to use the word church more than I use the word community this morning because I just can't do the rhyme over and over again this morning. And there are a lot of scriptures that address this. There are a lot of things I could say about what this looks like in the church, but I chose two things to share with you this morning. It may be a little bit frustrating to you because I'm not going to draw a lot of conclusions about these things. And that was not by um, my decision. That was more as I prepared this morning. I felt like the Spirit was saying, throw these things out there and let me work this out in the body. So if you're a little bit frustrated with not having conclusions, just know that that's by design this morning. This sermon is a starting point for thinking about how the Spirit produces unity within the church. And so I'm hoping that you'll take this, you'll take these scriptures, that you'll think about it and pray about it and really try and apply it throughout the next few weeks. Again, before I start, I want to give credit to Gordon Fee from the book called The Spirit and the People of God, um, because I used quite a bit of information out of there, particularly from chapter six out of that book. So the first thing in the spirit creating unity within our church is that if people are to see what God is like, they should see it in the way that the church lives life together. See, it's that building the church up as a witness to those around us. And I put in your chair this morning a paper that has some of the one another passages on it. And so what I was trying to do with this is not necessarily give you the scriptures, but the things that those passages tell us we need to do regarding one another. And so this is just a quick reference for you. If you Google any of these or if you look them up in your index or whatever, you should be able to find specific scriptures that go with them. But I wanted you to look at the different things on here this morning. So we're to teach one another, love one another, live in harmony with one another, be devoted to one another. All the different one another commands um, are on here. And so one of the things I want you to think about as you look at this is which of these commands are easier for you? Like, which of these do you look at and you get really excited about? You're like, I love this part of being a church community. And which of these things do you look at and go, ooh, either I'm not so good at this in church community, or I don't really like this part of church community, this is really stinky in church community. We don't do this very well. Which of these things are harder 
See, I think it's easy to look at the one another passage and decide that it's much easier to be a Christian by myself than it is to be a Christian in context of living out life with all these other imperfect people. You know, it's difficult. It's not easy. And without the Spirit, there's no way we can do that. The Spirit is the one that creates the unity within us to be able to fulfill these one another passages. And so these one another passages are the way the Spirit teaches us about unity. As we fulfill these, the Spirit works in us and creates unity in us as a body. And so the one another passages are one of the most practical things we can work on to create unity, to let the Spirit create unity in the body. So I want you to take that with you. I'm going to come back to it in a little while and give you a challenge about this. We're going to read Philippians 2, 1 through 16. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. That's a tough one for me. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. And so a few things out of this passage that apply to unity in the body. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Value others above yourselves. Don't look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. 
identity, all of those things are having the same mindset as Jesus. And it tells us that that was an incredibly humbling process. And if nothing else, the spirit creating unity amongst us should be an incredibly humbling process. And when we are incredibly humbled, the spirit can do great things through us. Jesus didn't claim special privileges. He lived a selfless, obedient life. We're to do everything without grumbling or arguing. This can only happen when the Holy Spirit is living in us as believers. Because the Spirit is working to produce the life of Christ within each of us and among us as a group. We live differently in our relationships with one another, and we're empowered to do so because whatever else we are, we are people of the Spirit. And the Spirit works that within us as a testimony and a witness to others around us. Think about that song we sing, We Are One in the Spirit. They will know we are Christians by our love. That's what that's talking about. The Spirit works within us so that when outsiders look in and see how we love each other as a community, they see Christ reflected in us. I'm going to show you a clip from a movie called Coach Carter, and I'm going to set this up for you just a little bit. It's going to show a scene of a young man that has been kicked off the team or has quit the team. I can't remember exactly which. And his coach tells him, if you want back on this team, you owe me 2,500 push-ups and 1,000 suicides. Now, if you don't know what suicides are, it's running lines. So you run up to the first line, and then you run back and touch, and then you run up further, and you run back and touch, and you run further until you get to the last one, and then you sprint all the way back. That's what one suicide is. Okay? So he owed him 1,000 suicides, and he owed him this by the end of the week, by Friday. And if he could do that, then he would be back on the team. And the coach tells him, you need to just give up right now because this is an impossible task. There's no way you're going to get this done. So you might as well give up. And so that's what this scene comes in on. with what you've done, but you came up short. You owe me 80 suicides and 500 push-ups. Please leave my gym. Thanks for buying me. Gentlemen, see you tomorrow. I'll do push-ups for him. You said we're a team. One person struggles, we all struggle. One player triumphs, we all triumph, right? I'll do some. I want suicides too. 
be found peaceful. So one of the things I want you to hear that hear in that is that the coach tells him he still owes 500 push-ups and 80 suicides. What that doesn't say is that he's already done 2,000 push-ups and 920 suicides. See, he did the best he could do, but he still came up short. Do you ever feel that way? Yeah, and that's why as a body then we're able to come in and say, I can help with that. I can help fill the gap where you can fulfill what you've needed to do and be a part of the team. See, all the other players had done their job. They had done it. They had done their push-ups. They had done their suicides. He hadn't done his job. It's why he was behind in the first place. And so they really didn't owe him anything. But now they're willing to do more than their part so that he can be a part of their community. And that's what the spirit works in us, is that we look at our brother or sister and know they've done all they can. And yes, we could sit back and say, you should have made better choices. If you had made better choices, you wouldn't be in this situation. Or we can come alongside and say, we can do more and help with that. And trust that when I need more and I need help, you'll do the same for me. Because we all need that at some time. He makes a comment, if one struggles, we all struggle. If one triumphs, we all triumph. That is straight from the Bible. That comes out of the next scripture we're going to read out of 1 Corinthians. And it says, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. See, the movie is not first and foremost about basketball. It's, not, it's about them becoming people of character. And it's about the character that they exhibited. And our unity as a church is not first and foremost about all of us drafting and signing off on the same doctrinal statement. It's about how we reflect God in the way we live life together. It's about how we love, how we build up, how we serve, how we submit to, how we forgive one another. Again, those one another passages create opportunity for the Spirit to unite us to reflect God's character. How in the world can we do that? 1 Corinthians 3.18 says that as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more. Only the spirit of God can pull this kind of unity off. And one of the other things I love about that movie clip is the guy at the end. Because that's the other thing that unity within the community does is when you're the one sitting back going, I'm not big enough. I'm not helping them. I'm not giving more. I've given what I need to give. I've done my fair share. You look around and you see your other brothers and sisters doing that. And you wind up being that guy going, 
all right, I guess I'll help too. You know, we spur one another on to love and good deeds when we're unified and letting the Spirit work through us. Okay, so the second one is that the Spirit maintains unity and diversity in the church. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So I have a confession to make. I spent a lot of time looking for an illustration to make this particular point. And I knew I wanted to use 1 Corinthians 12, this passage that we just read. And after not being able, I I mean, literally, I probably spent two hours looking for an illustration. And so I decided I'm just going to go back to the scripture and I'm going to read it again. And at this point, God got a little bit sassy with me. And he said, so what do you think about the human body as an illustration for unity and diversity within the body? You know, every once in a while, I do come up with a good one. And I was like, oh, sorry, God. Yeah. So this is like the perfect illustration of unity and diversity in the body. And um, the idea of the body and the different parts of the body and not being able to say, oh, I don't need you, or not being able to say, I'm not important, so they don't need me, how ridiculous that is when you look at it as the human body. 
Well, it's no less ridiculous in the body of Christ for us to think that way. And so I did find just a couple of pictures I want to show you. So the first one is the eye. Okay, so obviously I couldn't find just an eye as the body. So it does have a few other body parts on there as well. Um, But how ridiculous does it look for the body to be mostly one big eye? Okay, it's not healthy. It can't function with all the parts that it needs to. But guys, sometimes this is what our body looks like. We try to all be one thing. And so it really limits what we can do as the body of Christ. And what if this eye says, I hate it when the sun shines in my face. It makes it so hard for me to keep my eye open and do my job. I think I just won't do it anymore. Nobody else has to deal with the sun shining in their eye. I'm the only one that affects. Okay, let's look at the ear. Okay, so what if our body was just one big ear? And what if that ear said, I am so tired of loud noises. Every Sunday when I go in that room, they have the speakers cranked up, and I can barely hear anything, and I can't do my job very well. I think I'll just quit doing my job. That would be ridiculous. Okay, what about a mouth? So what if our whole body was just a mouth? Yeah. You know, you kind of get the point there. Again, the body is the perfect illustration of unity in the body of Christ. See, we all have different functions. You can take that down now. (laughs) And, And we all have different gifts that work in the body. And that is the way it was intended to be. And for us to say, I want to be that, or I want to do this, or I don't want to do this, or I'm tired of doing that. How ridiculous and selfish and immature is that on our part? I think Mother Teresa said it well when she said, I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. Together, we can do great things. See, that's how the body of Christ works. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, the question that Paul answers is how do many of God's people, composed of Jew and Gentile, slave and free, make up the one body of Christ? And the answer that he gives us is that all alike were immersed into the same spirit, and all alike were caused to drink to the fill of the same spirit so as to form one body in Christ. That's how unity is created. Doesn't mean that everybody is the same. It means that we honor our differences and work together despite our differences because our differences become our strengths. Will you show the picture of the robots? So this is what sameness looks like. Everyone the same. And God could have made the body of Christ that way. He could have given each one of us every gift. He could have made all of us look the same. We could have all been complete and not needed each other at all. But how does that reflect God's character? 
see, that doesn't reflect God's character. How would that be a work of the Spirit? How would that be a witness to the world? It wouldn't be if we were all self-contained and could do all those things ourselves. There would be no need for unity in the body. See, diversity is what gives the Spirit the ability to come in and produce unity that wows people and that really points them to God. So the last thing I want to show you is just a very short uh, spoken word that's about unity and that talks about the scripture we just read. Divided we stand. Wait, it's divided we fall. Then if that be the case, a fragmented body is only destined to crawl. So we are best when we all escape from the realm of solitude. If there's strength within numbers, it'll be difficult to disassemble these molecules. See, Jesus taught what we ought to do, become one as he is one with the Father. So the world could see the unification and also become one with the Potter, who was able to solder and mold beauty from imperfection, shaping us into the image of his son until we mirror the same complexion. So let us move in the same direction, like the path that we have been paved by the one who hit the cross, died, and came back from the grave. Let us move in the same direction and start our praise and never let non-essentials ever again to cause us to part our ways. If our hearts are ablaze with a fire that can't be contained, what would happen to this world if we decided to sink our flames? I see a change if we become one body with no divide. One body, one baptism, one church unified. divided over non-essentials and guys way too often we let ourselves be divided over non-essentials things that don't matter things that aren't important the miracle of the spirit's work to bring unity to the church is not that we are all the same and come together that's easy the miracle is that we are all different and come together we all have different personalities different strengths, different weaknesses, different thoughts, different spiritual gifts. The miracle is that we work to fulfill the one another passages, and as we do, the Spirit transforms us into the image of Christ. And as the world around us sees how we love one another, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, they see a reflection of God. That is the work of the Spirit that is a witness to the God we serve. So the challenge I want to leave you with is to take this sheet with the one another passages and just pick one and ask the Spirit this week how you can fulfill that passage within our community. So put this somewhere where, you'll, where you can see it. Hang it on your mirror, put it inside your journal, hang it on your fridge. Maybe that's where you see it the most is when you go to your fridge. Um, you know, somewhere where you're going to be able to see this and just work one at a time and let the Spirit work through you to fulfill these passages in our body so that we can be unified and reflect the image of Christ to people around us. That's your challenge for this week. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.